Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Appreciate you joining me again, and I am excited to have another guest on the program. This is the first time we've had this guest on this particular program, but if you have followed uh, my channel, my other channel, he definitely is no stranger to you, and that is Pastor Matt First from the uh, Mountain View Baptist Church in Custer, South Dakota. He also is the author of Who is Israel uh, that we did discussion about a long time ago, and then also Which One is Right, another uh, great discussion. Uh, I've referred to this book already on the program, and we are excited to have him on the program. And so in case you are not familiar with Pastor First, uh, Pastor First, we want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about you and your ministry. Hi, yes, Pastor Matt First, Custer, South Dakota, Mountain View Baptist Church. I've uh, been here 20 years now and uh, studied under my pastor, um, uh, Wayne Williams. He passed away a year ago. Uh, he wrote a thesis. Uh, I learned early on that he was uh, a Bible believer who really understood his Bible um, and would field questions from the pulpit uh, during services uh, before he preached. Um, and I was impressed with his knowledge of the Bible. But when I found out he wasn't pre-trib, I thought that was really odd. How could someone who know the Bible so well uh, get eschatology so wrong until I realized, well, maybe he's not wrong. Maybe he knows something I don't know. So I started digging into it, reading his thesis, uh, asking him a lot of questions and realizing that he was loyal to the King James Bible above anything else. And he was loyal to the word of God. He wasn't going to allow theology to persuade him from what the Bible said. And so um, I started to dig into it, started to find out things for myself. And then I realized when it comes to eschatology, uh, who is Israel really is the big deal. And um, Israel's the elephant in the room. So I wrote that book first, and uh, and then I wrote this other book, Which One is Right, just a year and a half ago, trying to explain to my King James brethren that you have to make a choice. You have to either choose the King James or not. Uh, and if eschatology is so important to you, you're going to compromise on the Bible. And, and I expose the guys in the independent Baptist world who speak on both sides of their mouth when it comes to eschatology. And um, that doesn't make me popular, but it's okay. I, I know the Bible's right, and I'll stick with it. And so, yeah, so here we are, and Pastor Tommy has, has become a friend over the years through all of this, and uh, we enjoy each other's fellowship and appreciate each other's ministries and uh, praise the Lord for soul winning and people getting saved, baptized and added to the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. In order to get on the same page on at end times, you do have to get Israel figured out. You really do. That's the same thing. Pastor Chuck Baldwin said, and I know even for myself, uh, when I was, I originally started questioning things about the rapture, but I, I guess you could say I came around on the truth about Israel before I did on the rapture because you really do have to have that figured out. And it really is kind of pointless talking to people about timelines and things when they're not on the same page with you about Israel. And it's a very frustrating thing. So this really does need to be the first conversation. And while this podcast is about prophecy, um, there is going to be a lot on this program about Israel. In fact, um, yesterday's first sermon of the week, and I'm going to start posting a sermon every week, was uh, one of your sermons that you did about Israel. 
And so a lot of people think, well, that's not really about prophecy, but it is a fact. You can't understand prophecy if you don't have Israel straightened out in your mind for sure. So, but yeah, so, but today our subject, uh, our specific subject that we are going to be dealing with that is definitely related to prophecy and end times is the discussion of Babylon. Who is Babylon? That's something that I think we're all interested in. And without a doubt, it is a mystery for sure. It is a mysterious thing. And there's kind of three main schools of thought that you'll typically find out there. Uh, you have those who believe it is Jerusalem, which is mainly what we're going to talk about today. That is Pastor First's position. Uh, you also have those who believe it is a revived Roman Empire uh, or like the Catholic Church, something along those lines. Uh, you'll have those too who believe it's the United States of America. And, um, you know, every, all of them have really good arguments, I think. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, is nothing fitting because it's just not quite here yet? And, you know, either way you look at it, I find it a fascinating subject. Um, it's not one that I have just, I guess, put the uh, necessary due diligence into where I can stand up and say, this is my position. Uh, I've got directions I lean, but this is something that uh, I'm interested in hearing people talk about in your book you've got a whole chapter where you deal with uh, the whore of Babylon and uh, again people I'll leave a link in the description for uh, these books if you haven't read who is Israel you definitely want to check it out a lot of really good stuff in here but so uh, to I guess start us out on this just if you want to tell us a little bit about uh, who you think is Babylon and uh, why you uh, think the way you do about that yeah, well, um, I would say that, uh, first of all, when someone finds out that I'm not pre-trib, that's, that's maybe raises eyebrows, but they don't consider me a heretic. But then when they say, when they find out that I say that, that uh, the modern state of Israel, Christ rejecting Israel is the whore of Babylon, then that's when they, that's when they decide I've lost it. Um, but I, I really think that if I was on a desert island and I had nothing but my Bible to read, and no uh, modern day uh, news events or anything, current events, I would come up with that conclusion because um, uh, Israel fits the bill. I, I know you mentioned uh, the Catholic Church. Some people think that uh, the whore of Babylon could have been, could be Islam uh, uh, and, uh, or Babylon USA, uh, but they're not old enough. Um, the Catholic Church isn't old enough. Um, Islam's not old enough. United States is not old enough to be Babylon, uh, to be Mystery Babylon. But but uh, Jerusalem is, Israel herself is, and um, if she's Christ rejecting, then that that just you know that that's that just makes it so obvious. I mean, you read Revelation, um, Jerusalem's referred to uh, the city Sodom in Egypt. Um, I was just reading in Isaiah chapter one this morning. Uh, it was re she's referred to Sodom and Gomorrah there as well. And, uh, and a harlot, and uh, God calls her har a harlot in many different places. Ezekiel 16, that whole chapter, um, he refers to her as a harlot. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there's lots of clues, lots of things that, that tell us that. Um, and where you want to start, you know, wherever you want to start, I'll, I'll go to. But 
Um, remember, it says Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. And uh, I would say Catholicism would be a daughter. You know, I would say that Islam, a daughter, a Mormonism, um, these other religions that you that we deal with today, these other false religions uh, that take away from Christ and salvation, they would be daughters of the, of the harlot. But the mother uh, would be um, would have to be Judaism, Christ rejecting Judaism. And um, I've got some some books and resources that people can look at. Uh, if they're more interested in this, first of all, I'll start out with the not so recommended, but just so you know, um, I've got this one here. It's called Mystery Babylon. It's written by a guy named Chris White. Uh, I don't agree with everything that Chris White says, and I'll just tell you right now, he uses different versions. He uses the King James a lot, but he doesn't stick with it. So uh, there's problems. Um, I, there's problems with some of his interpretation, but then there's some things in here that I, I think he pegged it right on. Uh, and then there's this one here. Um, solving mystery Babylon the Great and shows the connection between Judaism over to Catholicism. But which one came first? Obviously Judaism. And so um, uh, Edward Henry wrote this, and uh, there's some there's some stuff in there that I think would help detail and show you that before Catholicism was Judaism. And then this right here is by Robert Sargent. He is an independent Baptist, and uh, a lot of people know about this in, in the independent Baptist world. And in the Acts of the Apostles, in chapter 15, he, he just pretty much flat, flat out says that Judaism is where uh, baptismal regeneration comes from. He said that it's where a lot of the other stuff that we get today that's, that we deal with in, in um, false, the false gospel comes from, Roman Catholicism, the priestcraft. You know, pre before Catholics had priests, Judaism had priests. Uh, Seventh-day Adventism, Sabbath-keeping, uh, Mormonism, another priestcraft religion as well, and uh, washings uh, like uh, some of the other Judaistic sects had. And so you, you see um, you see that even independent Baptists are saying that um, Judaism was the was the origination of of a lot of this false religion. So I'm just pointing it out that that when I read Revelation seventeen and eighteen, it's very clear who the mother of harlots is. She's guilty of the blood of the prophets and of the apostles. The Catholic Church can't be that one. But Judaism, Jerusalem, is definitely guilty of the blood of the prophets and the apostles. And Jesus said, you know, you, you know, your house is left in you desolate because of what you've done and what you are guilty of. And um, uh, so we, we can get into it. We can talk about it. But, but there's so much in the word of God itself that, like I said, if I was on a desert island and all I had was the Bible, I could, I could compare scripture with scripture and figure out who the harlot is. Okay. So I guess I think something maybe important to do when having a discussion like this is, you know, in, I guess in defining terms, because obviously while you're talking about Judaism being older than Catholicism and all that, uh, you know, Judaism was at one time, the truth. And in reality, you know, Babylon, you know, predates Judaism, you know, if you take it all the way back to the Tower of Babel. So I, you know, I just, uh, I guess to clarify for people watching, obviously, when you're talking about Judaism, you're not referring to the biblical Old Testament practices, but what Israel, you know, apostatized into, I guess right. you could say. So the, the thing is, would you say that the Babylonian system, 
you know, goes back to the Tower of Babel, and it's something that Jerusalem just ultimately embraced. Is that how you, maybe how you'd say it? Yeah, um, it's just the old, the old rejection of God, and man reaching Godhood without God, man reaching heaven without God. That's what the Tower of Babel was, and it's it's rejecting God, rejecting the way of salvation and coming up with your own way of reaching heaven without having to do it God's way. And, and so when I say negative things about Judaism, I'm saying post Christ, post crucifixion, um, the veil was rent in two from the top to the bottom. Um, that was, that was the announcement from heaven that, there, there's a change in the system. Mm -hmm. There's a change in the way of salvation. There's a change uh, in the approach to God. Uh, uh, Christ uh, is the door to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, it's not that he never was, wasn't. Uh, he always was. But their temple system was done. Um, their, their system of animal sacrifices, it is finished. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, anything that rejects Christ and continues the old Testament system today is perdition. Um, you know, gone, but gone back into perdition means to go back into this, this system, uh, of perdition and the, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's what perdition is. It's the spirit of antichrist and, um, drawing back into perdition as Hebrews warns is, is to go back and into an, an Old Testament way of, of thinking versus recognizing Christ has come and he is the final sacrifice set down at the right hand of God. Okay. So uh, whenever we talk about Catholicism or when we talk about Rome, obviously Catholicism is something that's all over the place, but it has a headquarters in Rome. You know, you got you have Vatican City. So whenever we talk about uh, Babylon being Jerusalem, first off, do you see Jerusalem, the city, as like geographic Babylon, or do you see it as all of Israel, or do you see, I guess, the Judaism as more of a Babylonian, or a, not a Babylonian, but a, yeah, the Babylonian system, not so much a geography, or is it is it both? Are we talking geography or a system, I guess? Well, well I, I, I mean, you read Revelation, um, it's definitely a city. Um, mm -hmm. the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth um, but when you read in context of Revelation that city is not Rome that city is Jerusalem um, Jerusalem is referred to as uh, Sodom and Egypt where our Lord was crucified Jesus wasn't crucified in Rome um, and so again I, I, I think Rome is simply a daughter of the harlot certainly Roman Catholicism and, and all that definitely, um, you know, has harlotry in it, but um, she's not the mother. And, uh, and so that's, that's my answer. Um, and, and I would say it this way concerning Revelation. You get to the last chapters of the, of the Bible in Revelation, and you basically have two women. You have the bride and the whore, and everybody's one or the other. At the end, we're all one or we're the other. And um, there is the new Jerusalem, and she's called the bride. Well, then what's the old Jerusalem? 
Mm. She's the whore. And that that's why she's destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. There's a lot of references that, I mean, so many things that Babylon is called, Israel is called throughout their history. But, um, you know, when it comes to the Catholic Church, again, too, and it's, I said it's not even my position. It's never really been my position officially, but there does seem to be so many connections. Like, in my mind, I've always seen the false prophet coming out of Catholicism probably being the Pope or something like that. And so, you know, you, you know, you said that you believe that Catholicism is a daughter for sure, but I guess in, in your opinion, do you think the false prophet will be more likely to come out of uh, Catholicism like a Pope, or do you think it'll come out of Judaism? Um, well, out of, out of Christ rejecting Judaism, could, could the Pope be a Jew and could he can, could that connect that way? I, I suppose. Um, you know, that'd be a nice compromise to make everybody happy, I guess. But um, I I don't know that it has to be that way. Um, but it, it, I, I, I'm convinced it has to be a, a Jew, uh, whoever that is. It has to be a, a Jewish a Jewish person, a practicing Jew, Christ-rejecting Jew. Uh, could, it, could he also be the Pope? Sure, that would help, certainly help unite things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my opinion on that. Mm. You know, and there's always a possibility too, that some of those things could morph together a little more because, you know, you talked about some of the things they have in common, you know, with their priests, uh, you know, even the Pope, he wears the beanie, uh, on the back of his head. That's, you know, pretty similar to what the Jews wear. There's so many things they have in common. Yeah. The, the skull cap, the keepa, you know, and, and, uh, you know, praying with your head covered, versus not, um, and how it's really just disobedience. And, and yeah, there's a lot of connections there. Going back to the city, I just read this morning in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, it says, and it's talking about Jerusalem, how has that faithful city become in Harlot? And, and so, you know, I, and then it also refers to as Sodom and Gomorrah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't believe the seven hills are relating to Jerusalem or anything like, or excuse to Rome. Um, I, I don't, I don't even think the seven hills need to be that big of a deal one way or the other. Uh, but I definitely see Rome not as, not as the originator and not, not as the one that fits the prophecy in the end. Um, again, revelation chapter 17, uh, you know, chapter 18 says, uh, rejoice over her, thou heaven and ye holy apostles and prophets for God hath avenged you on her. Um, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Um, that relates to Matthew 23, 35, when Jesus said from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias. And, and so, um, you know, Jerusalem definitely fits those descriptions more than Rome ever could possibly. Yeah. Well, and I like what you said too, about, um, you know, if you were on a deserted island and you had no access to newspapers and everything, and we've talked, been talking about this a lot in the program, how uh, throughout these last several years, everyone has always shaped their thinking about the scriptures based on current events. They're trying to make it fit that day that they live in. And so if you're living in first century, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine how you would think of Rome. I mean, you definitely wouldn't be thinking of America or something like that, it would, it does seem to put an image in your mind of Jerusalem 
during that time. I mean, it's right. really the only place it could. And then I think the Seven Hills, too. Uh, what's interesting about that, people always talk about Rome being the city on Seven Hills, but, uh, you know, that passage actually talks about Seven Mountains. And it seems pretty obvious that it's a reference to kingdoms. Right. And right. that's why I don't think geography is really plays a lot into that. I think that's a stretch. And, you know, talking about current events, the Geneva Bible notes mm -hmm. and the artwork in the Geneva Bible makes it look like, you know, the Pope is the Antichrist. And, mm -hmm. and, and I don't blame them for thinking that in the 1600s, you know, in the 1500s, because, you know, they were suffering from a, a Catholic dominance and, and persecution. But you got to you got to be careful because we're all guilty of taking current events and trying to match it with scripture. And sometimes we can find some similarities. But like I say, if you just take the Bible and you had nothing else to influence you, you couldn't possibly come up with some of these other theories that people have come up with. Right. Well, and I have I, I have some of the writings of King James uh, on Revelation, his commentary on Revelation. And yeah, he for sure thought, I mean, Antichrist was the Pope. Everything was the Catholic Church. You know, he did the same thing where he made it fit the current events of his time. And so, you know, I, I do. I think everybody always wants to brag about whose position is the oldest. And I do think the Rome position, it was definitely one people had for hundreds of years when the Catholic was uh, at their peak and power and everything. But if you do want to go back to probably the most original you know, interpretation. Yeah. I, I can't think of any way to read it um, other than Jerusalem during that time. And so that's just kind of an interesting, uh, definitely an interesting take. Um, I want to read this passage to you because I think this is interesting too. Um, and I don't, I want to see if maybe you have any extra thoughts on why Jesus said this the way he did. But in Luke 13, 31, it says the same day that, there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today, and tomorrow the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today, and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. And that's when he goes into the, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How oft when I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So uh, that phrase, you know, that a prophet cannot perish out of Jerusalem. Why do you think Jesus said that the way he did? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I can speak to that off the cuff here, but uh, maybe because he's thinking prophecy when he says that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but matching Matthew 23, which is a, which is the parallel passage, uh, wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you kill, you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that upon you, Jerusalem, may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias. Um, and, and so, and verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and sowest them which are sent unto thee. 
So I, I guess to answer your question, it's it's probably he's 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 talking prophetically to mm. fulfill some prophecy. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, well, it's just it's I just find it interesting because I, I guess in my mind, while that's kind of a, a difficult passages in some way, it does seem to um, fit with the idea of Jerusalem being a part of that or being the leader, I guess you say, of that Babylonian system, because other prophets were killed places that weren't Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem wasn't around. Judea, Jews weren't even around when Abel was killed. However, you know, that system of a work salvation, you know, that persecutes those who are of faith, Cain was around then during that time. Yeah. And so to me, when you see Jesus connecting Jerusalem to even the the um, martyrdom of Abel by Cain, that shows me too that, yeah, he's seeing them as this, as a part of this system that right. they have. And right, I because, think it's interesting too, how, you know, earlier in his ministry, when he first went to the temple, you know, he said, make not my father's house, a house of merchandise. But then here he's saying your house is left unto you desolate as yeah. if, you know, God is now done with this house. And he basically yeah. has given them over, you know, to this, you know, religion or system that they had embraced. Yeah, so like you talk about Abel, well, the, the obvious there is that Abel accepted and believed in the lamb, whereas Cain did not. You know, Cain brought fruits and vegetables, works of his hands, versus an atonement sacrifice, which Abel had. And so there's the clear picture. Uh, and that's that's always been the message throughout Scripture is you either accept the lamb, the blood of the lamb, or you try some other way which makes you part of the whore part of the harlot okay so here's another question too now because um one of the areas where i've always kind of had a hang-up to where it was difficult for me to accept the idea of jerusalem being babylon um it part of partially was based on verses like this uh also there's one in revelation but um i've kind of got a couple questions related to this so first off in Jeremiah 50, verse 13, it says, Because of the wrath of the Lord, it shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate. Everyone that goeth by Babylon shall be astonished and hiss at all her plagues. Now, a lot of times when people are talking about things involving Babylon in the future, they'll go to Jeremiah. But do you think sometimes people are getting mixed up because there are prophecies directed at the literal Babylon that took Jerusalem captive? you know, uh, in the Old Testament period. Uh, do you think that sometimes we get those things mixed up and maybe apply things to a future Babylon that was already fulfilled by a physical Babylon? Okay, so you, the question is, because Jeremiah says that Babylon would not be inhabited, mm -hmm. that therefore it can't be Jerusalem today in, in Revelation, is that the question? I, well, no, not that it can't be Jerusalem today, because obviously the in Revelation, um, I don't have the verse in front of me, too. But in Jerusalem or uh, in Revelation, it makes it appear that Babylon is not going to be inhabited either. And so, um, you know, so I, the thing is my my hang up and I think I have an answer for this, 
But my hang-up was, well, if Babylon is Jerusalem and Jerusalem's never going to be inhabited again, that creates a problem because Jesus is going to rule from Mount Zion, which is in Babylon. So it to me, it didn't seem like both of those things could be true. Well, so I'm reading in my Bible reading this morning, and I started in Isaiah chapter 1 today. Mm-hmm. In Isaiah chapter 1, it says in verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been likened to Gomorrah. In other words, totally wiped out. Mm -hmm. But then the next verse says this, verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. So, so on one hand, it says, we'd be like Sodom and Gomorrah, we'd be wiped out. But then the very next verse, it calls these people in Jerusalem, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then in Revelation, we know where it says the city where our Lord was crucified, Sodom and Egypt. Well, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah is wiped out. It does not exist anymore. And yet the Bible is still referring to Jerusalem, to the harlot uh, Christ-rejecting Israel as Sodom. And so when someone says, well, see, Babylon's wiped out, it's not going to be inhabited. Well, neither is Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is probably underneath the the Dead Sea right now. I'm not sure, but probably that's where it's at. Um, It's not inhabited. I know that. It's it. It's it doesn't exist, but yet we're still seeing it compared and being called. Um, the, it's its name being labeled on on other on other places like Jerusalem. And so when I see uh, the physical Babylon over there in Iraq that used to exist and it gets wiped out, and Jeremiah says it will be wholly desolate and uh, and will not be inhabited. Well, I, I know he's talking about where Nebuchadnezzar used to be in Iraq. He's not talking about, uh, you know, what Revelation's talking about. And, and Revelation's not talking about what Jeremiah was talking about. Mm-hmm. Revelation's just referring to it spiritually uh, as as Sodom and Egypt or as Mystery Babylon. And I think that's why it's called Mystery Babylon mm-hmm. and, and not just, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, you got to, first of all, you got to be saved. You got to have the Holy Spirit discernment. You've got to recognize what part of revelation is literal what part is is a spiritual allegory or you know in in that way um and and yet it's not it's not like it's too hard to figure out because when i read wherein our lord was crucified sodom and egypt well i know he wasn't crucified in sodom or egypt but it is labeling that particular place Mm -hmm. as sodom and egypt just as isaiah chapter one is saying we recognize the original Sodom and Egypt is wiped out, but we also recognize that you are just like Sodom and Gomorrah. You are just like Sodom and Gomorrah in, in, in your in your ways and your behavior. And it refers to uh, to the people of, of Jerusalem as a harlot, even in the same chapter of Isaiah chapter one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I yeah. I've heard that before, the Jeremiah fifty argument. I've heard that before, and I've always just thought to me it's apples and oranges. It, it, it I don't understand how someone could try to argue against Mystery right. Babylon and Revelation not being well, able to be Jerusalem because of something Jeremiah said, you know. Right. Well, it seems that. to me that whenever there's <laughs> prophecies where there were maybe what I call dual fulfillment, you know, because Babylon was obviously destroyed a long, long, long time ago. And right. just as it's never been inhabited again, you know, what I think Revelation could be saying is, you know, this system, you know, this, you know, that persecutes God's people, that teaches a false gospel. It's going to be destroyed and it will never come back. Yeah. Is, you know, yeah. It's more about the system than the geography. 
I guess. To call, to call someone Sodom and Gomorrah is basically to say, you're dead meat. Right. To call someone, to call someone Babylon is to say, you know, you're, the handwriting's on the wall for you. You know, you're dead meat. Um, and, and that's what it's doing. It's saying, you're toast. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're Babylon just, just as they, the way they ended is how you're going to end. Right. Right. Well, <clears throat> well, and here's, here's another thought too, though, because, and, and I, I could be completely out to lunch, but I'm going to throw a theory out to you about how, and really both things could be true, that it's referring to modern day Jerusalem. That is the center, you could say, of so much, you know, if, if there's a place in the world that re- represents or could potentially rec- um, represent ecumenicalism, it would be Jerusalem. You've got the Dome of the Rock there. You know, you have a temple that will probably be built there someday. You've got the most holy Christian locations all within what they call the Old City Jerusalem. And uh, I'll show you this picture here. And so hopefully you can tell, but up in the top left-hand corner of the picture, you can kind of see where the Dome of the Rock is, uh, and that's the Old City. It's kind of in the top left corner is where Old City Jerusalem is. Well, in the bottom left corner, that area that you see down there, looks like a lot of houses and things, is the City of David or Mount Zion. Over to the right, directly across, is the Mount of Olives. And so what what does the Bible teach? that someday Christ is going to step his foot on the Mount of Olives, there's going to be a, uh, um, an earthquake that's going to split the mountain. Part of it's going to go north. Part of it's going to go south. We know that there's going to be water that runs from the Mediterranean, which is straight over uh, to the left. If you, know, if you go far enough, uh, one direction to the west, you have the Mediterranean. You go one direction straight over to the east. Uh, I should have had more Google image, earth images. Um, you'll have uh, the Dead Sea, and it talks about the waters of the Dead Sea being healed. So if Jesus rules from Mount Zion, which would be down here in the bottom left, and there's a valley separating Mount Zion from that old city Jerusalem, you know, where most of the wickedness goes on, you know, you could kind of see how... Uh, that could be just like this desolate area that's destroyed, that's never inhabited again, where over on the other side of that river that's going to come from the house of the Lord, you know, you'll have Mount Zion where Jesus is. I don't know, but it's just a theory on how and the reality is Jesus could rule from Mount Zion in Jerusalem, but that old city area that everybody goes to and worship, prays at a wall and all that kind of stuff, that could be completely desolate separated by water, never inhabited again, and something that people can just kind of look on, look to and look at, you know. And so I don't know. It's just a thought that that's how I think it could possibly play out. You and I have both been there, and, and here's what I can say. It is the epicenter of everything false when it comes to religion. Yes. I mean, it's just, it is the it is the epicenter of, of false religion from, from people standing at the Wailing Wall, uh, and uh, you know, worshiping Shekinah, uh, or then you know, Muslims and their Dome of the Rock, or then Mormons with their their headquarters over there. They've got a they've got a big uh, a building over there. Um, of course, you've got the Orthodox and the Roman Catholics, and they're just all there. And it's it you know, Jerusalem is um, 
it, it is it has become uh, just a, a city filled with everything but truth. Um, and um, even if you have a Bible believing Christian or preacher in that area, they can't advertise publicly because they'll they'll be in big trouble. Um, there's just not gonna it's just not gonna be tolerated. But everything else that's supposed to be Christianity or religion is tolerated. Um, let me read something that was in Look Magazine from 1962. It's a quote from David Ben-Gurion. And uh, he and a bunch of other world leaders were asked to predict the next 25 years. And so he was asked to predict what 1987 would look like. And, and he said that the Cold War would be a thing of the past. Um, he said... Uh, some so many things that actually have come about to be um, to be to be fact today, but he also said uh, that in Jerusalem, the United Nations, a truly United Nations, will build a shrine to the prophets to serve the Federated Union of all continents. This will be the scene of the Supreme Court of all mankind to settle all controversies among the Federated continents, as prophesied by Isaiah. Um, that's pretty creepy, um, but I do think that that's their goal, mm. and uh, and and I also know that that the Rothschilds have built this this Supreme Court building that is so filled with cultic symbols it's not even funny, um, and and there's so much that's being geared and and pushed towards Jerusalem being the international city, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if it became some kind of a UN headquarters. Uh, some kind of new epicenter for everything, and that from there all all decisions would be made, all all Supreme Court cases would ultimately go, and of course it would be Christ rejecting, and um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the end goal, that's the end game for them, um, and and of course we know that that the one world and the one world system uh, and the 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 person who unifies everyone is going to have to do that. Um, with religion as well. And, and so the only bad guys then will be the Christians, the mm-hmm. true Bible believers. And so whether Ben-Gurion's predictions come true or not, I think it's something that worth taking note, and I did, um, because I do think that's the goal. I think that's what Rothschilds would like. I think that's what a lot of people want to see is a is a Talmudic uh, religion-centered um, philosophy um, that, that welcomes everything but true Christianity and um, and is truly just humanistic to the core, which then is very Babylonish, very you know Tower of Babel like, and and I think that's what's happening. Hmm. Yeah, that was yeah, that's really interesting. I wouldn't. It's interesting too that he picked. They said 1987 too, because that's right before everybody was thinking the rapture was going to come in 1988, back in the day, and so that probably helped get everybody hyped up during that yeah. time. But I do, uh, I, I do agree though. Um, when we were over there, uh, at the visiting the temple Mount Institute, asking a lot of questions, um, it's just a fact that they're not really prepared over there to rebuild a temple. Um, but I think they, I think they believe like he did that when it does get built, it will be the Gentiles that build it. I think it will be the something the United Nations gets behind and that the world will pay for. And and I think, too, a lot of what will cause them to do it, it'll probably be a great big I'm sorry from the world to how the Jews have been treated. 
And I, I find it interesting because there's a lot of Baptists still today talking about how uh, you know Jews are the most you know mistreated, uh, hated people in all the world, and it's because they're God's people. But look how much of our world, I mean, is supportive of them, apologetic to them. Uh, you're, I mean, in our country, you're not allowed to say anything negative. Uh, I mean, you get canceled so fast, it's not even funny. And um, so, I mean, yeah, it is like that in some parts of the world. But then, too, when you look at what prompted a lot of that hatred, you know, you can kind of understand why at the same time, too. So, um, yeah, I... I definitely think that's probably how it'll play out. It just it's going to be a little later than Ben Gurion thought it would be. Sure. No, I think he's probably more right than wrong. He he pegged some of, some other things right on the money uh, in what he interviewed back there in 1962, and of course it was just foretelling the next 25 years, which ended up being 87. In 1992 is when Rothschilds built that Supreme Court uh, building, which is it's just. I, I can't even describe some of the things that are in it, but there's pyramids and things like that in there and, and whatnot. And it's all very occultic. And uh, so, yeah, I think the, the end game is for Jerusalem to become kind of a world headquarters. And, mm. and based on what I see in the word of God, that is what's going to happen. Yeah, I think so. Well, Hey, I definitely want to talk more about this. So this is all the time we have for today's program. So uh, tomorrow for tomorrow's episode, uh, we'll go through Revelation 17 and 18 and uh, say give some of our thoughts on those passages. But one of the things that I, one of the reasons I want to do this too is because uh, a lot of pastors out there today, they still see Israel as like the good guys from the Bible. You know, when we're reading about that group coming out of the out of Egypt, they see those people over there today, as that group, when in reality, um, you know, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church, he referred to them as our fathers. And you know, we are the ones that are actually connected to them. And I think when we look at Revelation 17 and 18, some of the things that I want to point out uh, on there, I think shows just kind of fulfillment of something evil that these guys are actually contributing to and participating in, in their support of Israel, that I think is very dangerous and I think every Christian, even if you're not real sure, hey, I don't know if I want to go as far as, you know, you guys are, but I don't think you want to go anywhere near where many Baptists are even going today because it is pretty dark and pretty evil. So I do appreciate everyone uh, who joined us for today's program. Make sure uh, you come back again tomorrow as we continue discussing Babylon and Jerusalem. So God bless. We'll see you all then.